Morning. Okay, that's Celebration Sunday, September 10th. Two weeks. It's just two weeks from, the, from now. I, I'm just holding on to summer, and I do not want to let it go. But uh, anyway, so have that on your calendar. Um, I want to cover a few things before we jump into the text today. We're going to be in, in Genesis chapter 32. Um, the first is, uh, you know, you're going to be hearing a lot as we keep going. We're trying to over-communicate regarding um, lead pastor transition. Um, but here's why I, I want you to hear this loud and clear. Um, we, we know where we think God wants us to go. And we're praying that next three to five years, we're going to take ground in a lot of different areas. And uh, it just so happens that in the next three, three to five years, about halfway through, or a little less, 16 months or so, there's going to be a transition of lead pastor. But we know where we're going. That's not going to change. We're going to go after it. I have 16 months. I don't think I'm like, uh, okay, I'm just going to kind of sit around now and uh, see what happens and wait for the, the new lead pastor to come. No, it's, it's like we got a lot to accomplish in the next 16 months on the way to our three to five year vision. And so um, that's the mentality that I want you to have is, is we feel like God's you know, give, guided us in uh, where he wants us to go. One of the things is he wants to continually have us um, reach more young adults and more young families and, and he's placed that on our hearts, not because we think right now we have to do that, but we think right now and next year and 10 years from now and 10 years from now, if we're going to keep um, as a faith family having an ongoing impact in this community, then we always have to be reaching uh, young adults and young families. And so um, we, we want to grow in that. And we have been growing in that. We're so thankful for that, but we are just feel like tip of the iceberg. We're going to keep advancing in that area. Um, we want to reach not only this generation, but the next generation as far as developing leaders. We don't want to invite people into ministry and say, hey, this is how we'd like to use you in ministry. We want to invite you into ministry and say, as you work with us and alongside of us and we minister together, we are committed to develop you. We are committed to develop you as a leader, not just use you. And so uh, that, that's we want to be walk alongside each other in our spiritual journeys and not only help us grow closer to God, but help us to be more missional in our life and to see people as God sees people. You know, our mission statement says we want to reach the world one person at a time as we learn to think, love, live like Jesus and reproduce that in the lives of others. And so we need to grow in, in, in being aware of people around us in our work, in our play, in our schools, um, in our church, who God brings into our life that are on a spiritual journey and they know it. And uh, God wants to use us to walk alongside them in encouragement. We want to grow in that. And uh, we, we really feel committed to that. And we want to leverage all that we have to be Jesus' hands and feet in our community. And we recognize we have some unique opportunities. And this campus is one of those unique opportunities to leverage um, our resources in order to meet needs in our community, however we can meet them. And we're thinking especially of those who um, maybe have been marginalized or under uh, noticed in our community. And so in our first level, you know, we, we have partners with Northwest Children's Outreach, with Toilet and Food Pantry, with Borland Free Clinic, Divine Threads, Family Promise that, um, 
God is using to change people's lives in a very practical way, and not just their physical well-being, but also them as a whole person. And we want to, God, would you expand our territory? Would you allow us to continue to reach people um, that are on the fringes, that we can care for people that maybe others aren't? And do you know that this last year, uh, we became the only church in Oregon to have a bus stop? Do you know that? Do you know why that happened? Because the city of Tualatin knows the impact we're having on people in the community with these ministries. And they, it's like, we have to have a bus line that goes to Rolling Hills. And so they extend it and they come and it's, I forget the name or the color of the line, but we have a bus stop and, it's, and it stops right outside the doors of the free clinic and the um, pantry and the city of Tualatin says, we need to partner with Rolling Hills in making it easier for people to get to these, these valuable services. And so we know where God wants us to go. We want to follow him in that pursuit. And in there, there's going to be a leadership pastor or leader, lead pastor transition. But we're going strong. We're not sitting back and waiting. I wonder what it's going to be like. I wonder what, we're, you know, it's like, no, no, we know we're going. Somebody's going to join us in the next 16 months. But uh, anyway, so I just want to let you know that um, there's no sitting back. There's no wondering. There's no, well, we'll see what it's like. Um, you know, we'll be rolling hills and uh, we'll continue to be rolling hills in seeking to follow God as he guides us. And so want to make that clear. Second thing, um, two months ago, I, I let you know that, okay, we're going into the last two months of our fiscal year. Our fiscal year, this is the last Sunday of our fiscal year. We begin new again um, with, the, with the school calendar, September 1st. So, um, and I let you know we're, uh, we're behind in our projections. We love to finish strong. Um, and I want you to know we finished, we're not quite done today is uh, the last Sunday, but um, we're behind in our projections for the year. And so um, here's a couple, just the realities of that. And uh, as you know, um, I am not gonna guilt anybody into giving. If you hear that today, uh, that's Satan, not me. And don't get us confused. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I want you to, to go to God. And um, here's the truth of our situation. We've had... We've, we've been maintaining the same level of giving for the last two, three years. If you maintain the same level of giving for two, three years, you are falling behind because of inflation. And we are falling um, behind to be able to sustain the same ministries and the same amount of impact um, if our giving just stays the same. So thankful that it's not declining. So thankful that in this, these years during COVID and, and inflation that, um, man, people have remained faithful. But am also so praying that as um, the numbers of people grow, that our giving will also grow so we can sustain the same um, uh, ministry that we're doing now. And so would you pray with me about that? Um, if you're new to Rolling Hills, but it's like, hey, no, Rolling Hills is my home. And maybe you haven't uh, thought about, man, I, I need to contribute to my faith family. Um, engage God in that conversation. If you've been giving, you've been sacrificially giving for years, man, thank you so 
much for your faithfulness. And I pray that God has made that a blessing for you and, and not um, a, a torture for you. And so I want you to be aware of that and uh, be praying with us. We need to see um, our giving, grace, giving base grow this year as uh, God continues to grow us in, in many other ways. So um, I wanted you to be aware of that. And uh, so then now uh, I want you to know something that is the, the hardest part. Um, is uh, this week, we had a tragedy in our faith family. And a dear member, Becky Farwell, was in an accident and went to be with the Lord. Um, she was in a tragic car accident Thursday evening with a drunk driver. And um, Becky was with her mother-in-law, Troy's mother. Troy's mother's in the hospital, um, critical but stable. She's, um, they expect her to recover. But uh, we're sick. And Troy was uh, overseas at work and started texting that evening and uh, found out just a few minutes before he got on the plane to come home. Um, Becky, if you don't know her, you, you, could have, you, you may have known her, you may have seen her uh, in our cafe, uh, serving your coffee, uh, serving others there. I mean, she was, she was a gifted uh, chef, and she served a lot of the ministries that way. Uh, you, you would have seen her this, this summer at both camps, at junior high and high school camp, serving, loving on people, encouraging people, especially our staff, our volunteers. Um, she has been used really um, dramatically this last couple years in ministering to our staff and our pastors. She's been... Um, teaching us to develop our spiritual disciplines in prayer and listening to God. And I think right now, it's just kind of ironic. As she's been helping us grow and discern the voice of God right now, she's hearing God like she never has. And she's full of life. She's in the presence of the God she loves. She's reunited with her son who went before her, Caleb. And she's doing well, and a lot of us aren't. And so be praying for Troy and his mom and the family. Uh, Troy has uh, probably served some of your kids. He serves faithfully in our, in our children's ministry. He is just a vital part of our elder team. He's got such wisdom and insight and humility. And he's a dear friend. And he's hurting. This morning, um, texting Troy and, and said, hey, I'm, I'm gonna say a little something in the gathering today. Is there anything you want me to say or not say? And he said, uh, well, if you want a sermon, Becky's life was about being invested in, or invest, being invested in the church, God's people. We're called to participate, to be involved, to give and take. 
and not consume from a distance. And Becky, Becky reaped the benefit of that. Not easy, but it's so worth it. And then he said, I don't know, you might have prepared something else, so go ahead and say that too. <laughs> um, anyway, let's just pray. Father, we are grateful that we grieve, but not as those without hope. As I envision Becky now in your presence, she has never felt more joy, more peace, more sense of fulfillment than she is right now being with you. And I lift up Troy and their kids and their family. And I ask you to be the God of all comfort. I, I, I have no answers for the why. But I know um, you're a good God. And so would, would you give a glimpse, a greater glimpse of yourself to Troy and the kids and um, Troy's parents, Becky's parents, and, and for the drunk driver and his family. Father, would you, uh, in the midst of grief and unanswered questions, allow yourself to be seen in real and practical ways um, that you're a good, love, a good God and a loving God who cares. We know, we know you've experienced suffering. We know when you became flesh and was dealt unjustly and you saw injustice happen, you saw friends die. You know what it's like to grieve and to hurt and so, God, would you be um, our comfort, our strength. And when in the midst of pain, uh, may we also see you more clearly. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 32. I want to start by reading Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, which um, is good for us to to think about in light of what we just heard, but also in light of Genesis 32. And this, this is a passage of scripture that, um, you know, if you're looking for, okay, what's a, what would be a good verse? I need to start memorizing verses. Well, these are, these are good. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Man, that right there, that's good enough, isn't it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on my own understanding. Because right now, according to my understanding, there's a lot of unanswered questions and they don't have good answers. But I also trust in a God who is equally in pain over tragedy. And in fact, he uh, has made a way and his plan is to redeem all that is broken. And he held nothing back in that. And so I can trust in him. And I can lean on him when I don't understand. 
In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This is, this is Solomon, by the way, who's writing this. And uh, Solomon at the time happened to be the, the wisest, uh, most powerful, influential, and wealthiest, one of the wealthiest kings in the world at the time. And he's collecting these thoughts and he's passing them down to his son. And he's saying, you know, one day you're going to be king. And so let me talk to you about wisdom. Let me talk to you about what's important. And what he says is don't lean on your own understanding, but trust and follow God. His son, by the way, didn't do it and lost the kingdom quickly. Verse 8. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. And that's my prayer for Troy. Now, these are great verses. And um, they're ones that I wish we would have seen the result of people doing that in Genesis. But Genesis has been a, a book where we see it's a book of beginnings, this book of what God meant this creation to be what God intended our lives, the purpose that we have was actually to know him, be in harmony with him, enjoy this beautiful creation, be in harmony with it, with it, um, work the land, manage and steward th this wonderful resource that's been given to us um, and enjoy the fruit, man. And then we thought, well, there might be something more. And so we trusted ourselves more than God and, and it, it marred everything God intended to be at perfect harmony and peace with him. And uh, as a result, we see tragedies. As a result, there's chaos and relationships and our trusting God and our trusting ourselves and our trusting each other. And, um, and God said, okay, I'm, I'm gonna make a way for this all to be redeemed and be even better than it was because one day I'm coming back and I'm going to restore it all. But in the meantime, I'm going to patiently give everybody a chance to get right with me be through what I'm going to do um, in this plan. And so he talks to Abraham and he said, through your descendants, Abraham, the world would be blessed. And all, the ultimate fulfillment was through his descendants, his line eventually would be what Jesus would come and he would live and he would die for the sins of you and I so that God could offer forgiveness while staying true to his sense of justice. There's a payment for sin, but his son Jesus took it. And so he goes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I'm going to do this through you. And then what happens right from the beginning, Abraham starts thinking, okay, thank you for the promise. I see some problems that are going to get in the way of this promise. And so let me help you out, God. Leans on his own understanding. And now we're to his grandson, Jacob, in chapter 32. And Jacob, Jacob, his name means manipulator. It actually means heel catcher. And it means somebody who grabs somebody else's heel to trip them. And that is a perfect name for Jacob because his whole life, he is deceiving, he is scheming against people. 
Jacob knows that through Abraham, his grandfather, and now through his line, God's going to bless the world. But he goes, there's problems with you carrying out your plan, God. I know what you want to do, but I think you're going to need my help because I'm actually a twin, and my brother, who's my twin brother, was born a few minutes before me. And so, you know, the older boy gets the blessing of the father and the inheritance of the father, and I know that you're saying that's going to go through me, but um, there's some problems coming up, and dad likes him more than me. And so I need to help you out. I need to help you out by scheming. And I'm going to scheme by tricking my brother and tricking my dad. And I'm going to lie to, the, lie to them in such a way that I'm going to get the blessing and I'm going to get the inheritance. And that's what he does. And he's messing up. He's not trusting the grace of God. He says, I got a promise, but God, you need my help. And how many times are we there? You know, okay, God, I know that you're a good God, that you, that you promised to give me an abundant life. That means life to its fullest. I can live life experiencing you and experiencing you on earth, knowing that you are with me and the deepest desires that you created me to have. I can begin experience those being met by being the person I was meant to be. And that is a person who knows you and walks with you. And so... Jacob is going, uh, yeah, God, I know I'm your guy and I know you promise this, but I do not trust your grace in how it's going to be delivered. I think you need my help. And so many times in our own life, isn't that where you go? Like, okay, God, there's problems in my life. Not sure how aware you are of them, but I'm fully aware of them. And I'm not even sure if you're aware of all the extenuating circumstances that I'm fully aware of. And so, um, if you don't mind, I got this. I'll take it from here. And what we're doing then is we're saying, I'm, my, I'm putting my hope in myself and my own understanding, and I'm not trusting in God and following him and what he said that I am to be and do. And that was Jacob. The result is Esau, his older brother, wants to kill him. And so Jacob flees for his life. For 20 years, Jacob is away from home. And, uh, and what, ironically, has a father-in-law who is constantly deceiving him. And so his, his life and his situation is tumultuous. He was doing pretty good at the time, but um, he decides now it's time to go back. God, you give me a promise, but that promise includes me being in the promised land and um, being with my people. And so I need to go back home. And so he starts headed home. Problem is, he thinks the biggest problem of his life is at home, Esau. And so what does he do? Does he say, oh God, how do I handle this? How, you know, teach my heart, the attitude of my heart and my posture before my brother who I have deceived and stolen from. And so how do I, no, he doesn't do that. He goes right back to the old thing. I'm gonna, I, I gotta figure this out. I need to fix this. And so he goes into fix it, tricking, manipulating mode. And uh, what he does, he sends um, a scout team ahead of him. And he says, I want you to go and find my brother. And I want you to tell him that his brother Jacob is coming. But don't say his brother. Say, um, Master Esau, your servant Jacob is coming. And just make sure he knows I'm humble. And, uh, and just test the waters and come back and, 
and report to me. And that's what um, he does. And in verse 6 of chapter 32, the messenger returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he's coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. And Jacob is going, oh no, oh no. My, my brother Esau's coming. He's coming to meet me and he's bringing an army. And so what does Jacob do? Does he pray? By the way, five verses earlier, verse one, God supernaturally lets Jacob know that, hey, I'm gonna be with you. In returning home, this is the right thing and I'll be with you. And so Jacob, that didn't happen too long ago. That was a pretty dramatic event. Are you gonna say, okay, God, how's this gonna work? What do you, you know, how do I honor you in the midst of this? Doesn't do that at all. He instantly goes to scheming. And what he does, he takes um, some of his wealth. He takes 550 animals, a lot of animals. And that's just a portion of what he owns. And he's traveling with in his caravan. And he says, okay, I'm, I'm gonna divide those up and I'm gonna send them to Jacob. And, but first of all, listen to this. He says, in verse seven, then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. I get greatly afraid and distressed. And in those moments, you know what I wanna do? My natural inclination? I gotta figure out how to fix it. I, you know, my inclination is Jacob's. I mean, uh, most guys I know, that's their bent. And we need to stop and we need to realize our limitations and we need to recognize that we don't go alone, that God is with us. We need to reach out to him. But if we don't, there's gonna be no peace of God with us. There's gonna be no sense of, uh, okay, I'm, I know I'm in the right place in the right heart and I lay this before God and I'm gonna trust him. No, it's all, I need to control I need to manipulate, I need, I need to, to maneuver in this situation. And he divided the people who were with him in the flocks and herds and camels into two camps, thinking if Esau comes to one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. Not a bad plan, but it's his plan. Hasn't sought God at all about it. And so he's gonna divide everything up. If Esau comes and sees this group and attacks them, well, these people can, can head for the hills and run away and save their lives. And so that's what he's thinking. And then verse 11, and by the way, God, uh, save me. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers and the children. And so he's saying, save me. And so his next step, that was step one. Step two is I'm dividing up my 550 animals that I'm gonna give as a gift, but I'm not gonna do it all at once. I'm gonna put three parties together. First third, second third, third third. I'm gonna have distance between them. And so the first one comes to Esau and he's gonna be overwhelmed by, wow, Jacob's doing okay. And look at the gifts that he's giving me. And then it's gonna be the next wave of gifts. And then the next wave of gifts. And Esau's gonna be overcome. And maybe he will even think, oh, maybe Jacob doesn't need the inheritance. Maybe, maybe I, I can keep what should be mine, according to primogenitor and, and firstborn male. And so it may be that Jacob's is softening him up. And so that's what he's going after, wave after wave of wealth coming Esau's way. Here's, here's the first thought that comes to me as I'm looking at this. And, and Jacob has wrestled with God and wrestled with people his entire life, trying to work out things under his own th thinking and his own power to bring about the ends that in his mind 
Um, I'm, working, I'm working for God because this is what God wants is to bless me. And Jacob is actually wrestling with God for a blessing that God wants to give him all along if he would just stop wrestling. And this is getting too personal for me, so let's move on. Um, but man, it's just convicting. And so we wrestle with God because we think God needs our help in our thoughts, in our influence. And the truth is God doesn't need our help. He needs our cooperation and he's looking to bless us as we follow him. But we get nervous and we get worried and we see things in this broken world that are out of control and we think I need to fix it. And we can just go example after example after example after example. Let me just give you two. You ever think if you're married, you ever think in your marriage that you know what? My spouse is not being the spouse God wants her to be. Or him, you know. And you're thinking, okay, I know what God wants her to be, and I know what he wants me to be, but I just can't do that right now because if I did that, it would be an encouragement to her to keep doing bad. And so I'm gonna hold back from her and not be the spouse that God wants me to be so that I can prove a point to her so that maybe she will get it and become the person that she needs to be. And that is like some of the wisdom of Billtown. <laughs> it's so stupid. But we play these games and we try to manipulate, and we try to control, and the end result of that game is my marriage is not advancing in health because of my dumb thinking. I mean, that's just one area. I mean, we, look, we can just step back and, you know, choose your source of news and it's bad. You know, it's just, we're just constantly giving bad news. And so it's very easy to look at our culture today and, and just go, uh, it's messed up. And so what do we do about that? Do we fight a spiritual battle on a spiritual plane and pray for people and ask God's guidance on how to, for me to step into this in a way that's honoring to him? Or do we respond to it just like everybody else? And often we're thinking this, we're thinking, I need to step into this and do something about it because if I don't, it's gonna get worse. Right? It's just on a path that's going to get worse. I need to say, we're not taking this anymore and stand up. And this is what I need to do. And what that ends up being is the exact same thing everything else in our, everybody else in our culture is doing. And it's not what God's asking us to do. God says, love your enemies. Well, no, I need to be so angry at my enemy. I need to take out a pound of flesh against my enemies and I need to show people how stupid they are and I need to show them or show people that they are the cause of the problems in our world and um, they need to be stopped. And God says, love your enemies. And I said, well, that, you know, easy for you to say, God, but you're not living in my culture right now. Yeah, he is. And he's saying, follow me and follow my ways. And I'm going, but if I don't do this, they're just going to run over everything. And, and it's, it's, it's going to get worse. And that's the exact mentality of Jacob. God, I think I know what you want. But if I just let things go as, as is, it's not going to happen. So let me stay, step in 
and do things my way. And uh, I'm going to manipulate and I'm going to, uh, I'll just fib. I won't lie that much, but some, but it's, it's for a good end. And that's, that's where the world, that's, that's when we are putting ourselves in God's place and we're saying, God, I need to do things that you can't. I know you have good intentions, but you, know, you don't have the wisdom and the power to carry it out like I do. Dumb. That's Jacob. And that's dumb Bill a lot. So, verse 24. Here we go, a climactic moment in Jacob's life. A moment where Jacob, like no other time of his life, gets a glimpse of God and also clarity on himself. Verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. And a man, anonymous man, wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. So a man picks a fight with Jacob. He doesn't know, does, is it an assassin for my brother? Um, I don't know who this person is. I don't recognize him. It's dark, it's night, and he just shot a double leg on me and took me down. Verse 25, and they wrestle all night. And when the man saw that he had not prevailed against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint. Ouch. And he wrestled with him. Wrestling all night long. Jacob is thinking that this is an equal match. But I don't know if he's as stubborn as I am. I think I got a chance. And that's what he's thinking all night long until it says the anonymous man touched his hip. Touched. And put it out of joint. And in that moment, Jacob's going, whoa. Whoa. I thought we were evenly matched, and yet with just a touch, you caused severe damage to me. In that moment, he's thinking, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Because he's getting a glimpse, getting a glimpse of a reality that he's need, needed to know his whole life is he's outmatched. And he's been going through life thinking, I'm wrestling with God, I'm wrestling with others, and I got a chance, I got a chance to win. And all of a sudden, he's met his match. Verse 26, and then he said, let me go, the day is broken. This is the anonymous wrestler. But Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob is getting a glimpse of who this guy is that he's been wrestling with. He's been wrestling with Christ. It's a, it's a Christophany. It is a appearance of, um, of Christ in the Old Testament. Happens about 30 times in the Old Testament. And in that moment, God the Son just gives him a glimpse of who you're wrestling with. He came in weak. He came in at Jacob's level to let Jacob experience, I think I got a chance to wrestle for my life here and win. And then with a touch, takes Jacob's hip out of socket. And Jacob's realizing this person could have came in from the very beginning and taken me down and crushed me. He's been holding back. 
and he begins to think and see, I'm wrestling with God. And here's a point that I think Jacob is getting to. And you and I in our wrestling with God can also get to this point. We wrestle with God because we can learn to wrestle for more of God. Jacob is still clinging to this guy. To, to, to God, who he's recognizing now as God. But he's clinging, not fighting against him. He's clinging, wanting more of him. Not fighting against God, fighting for God. More God. He wants to see God more. He's recognizing that, man, I am not the man I thought I was. I am not as powerful. I have limitations. And now I'm wrestling and seeing God and getting a glimpse of his might and his awesomeness. And he's just giving me a glimpse of him. And now Jacob's holding on saying, I, I want to know you more. I want more of you. Give me more of you. That's all I need right now. More of you. Twenty-seven, And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. What's he doing there? He's going, um, I know you, who you are, but I want you to say it out loud. Who are you? And Jacob says, uh, heel catcher, tripper, deceiver, schemer, manipulator, taking things in my own hands, trusting me more than you. God's saying, do you know who you are, Jacob? Jacob, say, Jacob says, yeah, I'm getting, a, I'm getting a clearer picture. 28, and then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Now that's interesting. Because I'm thinking, I think he lost. I mean, he's not able to defend himself now. The best he can do is just try to hold on to the guy's leg because he's pretty much immobilized. And he did lose. He lost the match, but he won because finally he's seeing the greatness of God who he can trust and the non-greatness and the limitations of himself, who he shouldn't trust any longer. And it's a win. He won by losing. God's great, and I'm not. And I need him. And I need to listen to him. And I need to follow him. And then verse 29, then Jacob asked, asked him, tell me your name. But he says, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. It's like I'm giving you a glimpse of who I am. You know who I am. And I'll bless you. Because the greatest blessing is knowing who I am. And you got a glimpse of it because you're clinging to me. And man, Jacob may be facing his death tomorrow. This may be his last night on earth. He doesn't know. But he's saying, I may lose everything but don't let me lose you, God. I'm clinging to you. Give me, give me more of an understanding of you. I want you. 
Have you been there? In your life, I'm telling you, this can sound really strange, that a man could be thinking, tomorrow I could lose everything. I could lose my family. I could lose my wealth. I could lose my life. And yet, I don't want to lose you, God. And if that seems dumb to you, if that seems, man, what's, how could you even get there? I'll tell you, you're not there because you haven't experienced God. For those of you in this room have gone through a dark night of your soul, have wrestled against God only to realize who you are and who God is, and you end up wrestling for God, you know at the end of the day, all can be taken away and I'll be clinging to God because he's good and he's great and he's wise and he's loving and he's patient and he has a plan that even in this messed up world, I can trust. And when I'm lowest and down and I don't understand what's going on, I cling to him and I say, let me see you more clearly. As I've heard from my brother Troy the last couple of days, that's what he's doing. He is wrestling for more of God at a time where he's in great grief and pain. And he doesn't have good answers to the why. But he knows and loves his God. He's clinging to him. What, what, what do you do if you want to know more of God and yet you're just not getting it? You're not seeing him. I mean, you're seeing more pain than you are seeing God. And you're wondering, man, how can I get a piece of God that could provide fulfillment in, in a sense of purpose and perspective that overrides you know, some of the chaos I see around me? I'd say two things. Number one is pray. Um, I don't know how to pray. That's okay. Pray. Just talk to God. Just talk to him. Cry out to him. If you don't know what to say, man, just say, I just want to hold on to you and I want to know you, I want to see you more clearly. What you do know of him, that he says about himself, tell him that. God, I know that you're a loving and just God. I know that you care for people. I know that you hurt when we hurt. I know that you're doing something so there can be a different future. I know you pursue us and you know us and you love us. Even the real me, you know all of me and you choose to love me. Just start adoring God for who he is. Pray to him. Have you seen him faithful at all in your life? Have you seen him show up in situations that you never thought? Or as you look back, you see his fingerprints at different moments in your life. Thank him for that. But even in, in a time where you don't even know what's going on and how, and this makes no sense, and there's lots of times where that's exactly where we are. God knows what's going on. And I can trust in him because I know his character. And I can hold on to him. Keep holding on. Pray. And then obey. 
What do you know he wants for you? What does he say that he wants you to grow close to him so you can live more like him into the lives of other people? What does that look like? Obey, follow him. Even when um, you don't know why, it doesn't make sense to you. Trust him. Do not lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll make your path straight. Verse 30, so God called the name of the, or Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. I got a clear glimpse of the face of God, and now I have perspective in life I've never had. And for Jacob at that moment, it's a sweet time. That's the climax. That's the highlight of his life when he stops wrestling against God. And he starts wrestling for more of God. And for him, it didn't last. But for you and I, what's also true is, is God came to Jacob at Jacob's level. He could have come and squashed Jacob like a bug. But he didn't because you know why? Because he loves, loves Jacob and he wants Jacob to know him. And if he came guns a-blazing, he would have lost Jacob. And so he comes weak, and he wrestles, and allows Jacob to wrestle with him until he says, it's time that you saw who I really am. Jesus will again come weak. He takes on flesh, becomes a man. He lives a life that we should have lived. He's dealt with unjustly. He's hung on a cross to take a punishment to satisfy the justice that God needs to meet his character so that we don't have to take that. He was weak so he could take on for us what we, he didn't want us to have to take on. So he was weak and lost so that we can win, so that we can be forgiven. And we can be connected to the God who loves us, the God who's good, the God who we are in awe of when we get a glimpse of who he is. And the God that walks with us every day, we never walk alone. And then one day we'll join Becky and we will enjoy him face to face. And that's, that's a sweet hope. We're not alone now. We get to start experiencing him now, but one day we'll be with him. Uh, let, let's pray. And as um, you close your eyes, maybe there's a, a situation in your life that you've been wrestling God, you haven't even gone to him. You've just, I've been in control and I'm afraid to go. Maybe you're afraid to go to God. And today you need to realize that God is a loving God. He cares for you and you can trust him. And so listen to him, repent, ask for forgiveness, and then trust him. And maybe today is the day where you know God exists, you know he's real, but you have not given your life to him because you think you need to be in control. And today that little piece of you is being broken. 
you can talk to God and say, God, I know that you love me and that you pursue me. And God, now I lay myself before you and I admit I am limited. I am not you. I do not know all. I do not know what's best. I do not have the power to control. You know all. You know what's best. And you are in control. And I, com I submit myself to you. And I ask that you forgive me and make me part of your faith family. Father, I lift each person up in this room. I, I just ask that you, as we come to you with eyes open, that you would gently and lovingly reveal more of yourself to us. And as we take steps in our life to follow you, um, God, would you bless each person here that they would not just know you in their head, but they would experience you in their heart and the void in their heart would begin to be filled by you. I thank you for your love. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.